0: I I like to place things geographically. That's the way God gave us the verse: "Go into all the world." That's geography, and I do I do think think that way, and that's the way I memorize things and so on. And so, you you say a name, and I I think of a story, and uh, that's that's just one of my quirks. But uh, then the Lord speak, spoke to me another word during the COVID time pandemic. And that was, he said, Lauren, there's another part to Mark sixteen fifteen, And that's not ge- geographic, that's demographic. And you can't reach that only by geographic. You have to move in granularity down to demographics. Every creature. And how do we deal with every creature? First of all, I have problems with the question of is creature creature or or is it just people or what is our role? And. And I think of Romans chapter 8, where it speaks of familiness, Abba, Father. It speaks of his children and his elder son, Jesus. And we're all family. And even we speak of organizations or movements or other terminology, and they are correct in categories, but it's. The heart of who we are in YWAM is a family called together and called together with certain gifts and callings that are without repentance. Now, Paul in Romans chapter 11, verse 29, he speaks there of a group that has received gifts and callings that are without repentance. And that's on a group. But in Psalms 139, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Speaking as individuals, we also in our mother's womb have been given gifts and callings that are without repentance. So I want to be talking about our family gifts and callings. And yet your individual callings, your gifts, Like Isaiah said in chapter 49, verses 1 and 2, I have been gifted, but first he says, I have been called, verse 1, in my mother's womb and gifted with a tongue in order to accomplish his purpose. That gifting he's talking about. Now, each one of you have gifts and callings, and they will have different purposes in the overall gifts and callings of YWAM. Whether you're called long-term or short-term, in that time it has very much purpose. But it goes on in that chapter 8 to talk about the groanings of all environment. And everybody's worried about this part of, you know, the environment or that and and we have all kinds of movements going and so on. But we, we need to understand that the gifts and callings of God will come together to bring in the family love that the orphans are knowing. As I heard uh, David Damien say, Orphans are not caused by orphans, it's caused by lack of parents. And so whatever our ministry is, we take on a parental role of fathers and mothers. And as such, we need to give to the children that are orphaned the love of God. So we go back to, and I'll, I'll just bring it down to I, a prayer that God opened up to me during this, my time. And I say my time because it's a, it's a time that started last November. I was in the hospital. I had a poisoned blood. They were trying to save my life with all kinds of antibiotics. Boy, did they load me up. And uh, I was in great pain. But they during that time, they took a scan uh, through one of these donuts and uh, put me on a board. I had a really tough time just just moving, let alone getting onto it. I didn't get I couldn't move on a board. They had to lift me pain and all onto that board and then put me through the donut. They saw something in my lungs at the time. But they said, we can't deal with it now. We can't even take a a biopsy. And so, uh, okay, you know, do what you got to do. But so the other disease was masking this one. And later, when they were able to do a biopsy, they found that I had small cell uh, lung carcinoma. That is a very fast moving cancer and the oncologist he told me right away he said you need to join uh the uh the you know the the ministry that takes care of you uh for your last few days and he says we don't count months with what you have we only count weeks and so he said you need to join this week and so i i i uh I decided with Darlene, I said, let's don't make this a thing of secret, this is family. And we'll we'll tell the YWAMers what it is so uh, there's no shock or, or change or whatever, it just flows right on. <laughs> and so we've been very open about it. But when we did, they started praying. Can you imagine YWAMers praying? <laughs> I can. I don't imagine it. I feel it. I know it. And uh, instead of five or six or seven or eight weeks, uh, now I'm in my seventh month. Now, what they have said, they said, now you'll have great pain, all pain lifted. I, right now, I feel no pain in my body. The other thing they warn me is normally when it's in the lungs, it goes right to the brain. Well, some may still question that. I don't know. But uh, so far, I don't I don't feel that. So don't tell me if you see it. But uh, the the other thing is that uh, with with this particular disease, uh, there's, there's going to be other kind of signs, but I don't have those signs until they put me in the machines. So they've done PET scans, they, more than one, and they, they see that the disease is advancing, it's spreading. It's gone to my bones all over. It's gone to my other glands and so on. And uh, it's, it's just growing. Every time they check, it's growing more. I just saw pictures of it today. And I have these big black spots all over the place. So, yet I don't feel it. I don't know it. And so what I'm doing and saying to you is I am writing on prayer and I'm writing on what God wants me to share. And I'm not saying this is all that needs to be shared, but I'm saying there's some some things that I believe God has prepared us as a family over the years, a step at a time. and. I would have thought it should have been faster <clears throat> because I I didn't realize by the way I also had uh I had a uh, a, a throat deal just Darlene had it and and so I I, I got a, a little bit of it but they loaded me up with antibiotics so that was uh yeah I, and I'm I'm about out of that, but but it does foul up my my voice and throat still. But uh so again it's uh it doesn't follow the norm. So during this time God began to give into my mind and into my more importantly, my heart. See, God's love is described as the first commandment. And Jesus answers it, uh, not like Moses with three categories, he answers it with four. And he says you to love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And I see the, The categories there, the heart, in the Hebrew, they call it the bowels. It's the feelings, the emotions. And that's where you see the doors opening to relationships. It has very much to do with laying the foundation of relationships or anti-relationships, which is grief or anger or hatred and so on is it comes out of the heart. Now, each one of these are a doorway to salvation. A lot of people come in through the mind, which is, uh, you know, the intellectual, but it starts with the awareness, and both conscious awareness and subconscious. But it also includes intellect, your, your IQ. It also includes the area of your memory, and uh, you all have memory. And God has awareness and intellect and memory, but he also has uh, the area of creativity. And for us, we call it imagination. All of that's part of the mind. We should love God with all of that, not do away with it, but bring it into a love for God. And then with all of our strength, that includes not only neurological, but physical and and, uh, so on. And so that's there. So I've named everything but soul. Let me come back to that. But in that area, as you begin to think about all of those categories, some people get saved because they see a physical mi- miracle somebody broke their arm and boom it was healed and and you'll see people coming oh i better find out who did this jesus did it and and that's the doorway but at the same time others come through intellect others come through emotions it's a song that touched their heart it's a story that touched their heart. <clears throat> <clears throat> it's a broken relationship that healed that touched their heart. Whatever, so you, you get that. But the Bible says, "He that winneth souls is wise." There's a wisdom that takes all three of those, and then the fourth. And there's something about the spirit, as I I heard uh, 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 David Damien say. He said, you know, uh, we in the Middle East, we do more things through our, our, our sense of, of spirit. And then he quoted Watchman Nee, who said, you know, by our minds, we, we, can, we can understand, but by our spirits, we know. There's something in the spirit and it's in the soul where you get your, your, your uh, uh, understanding, uh, your your gift rather and callings, but it's also in the soul where you have the image of God, <clears throat> and that happens according to science. You can Google this one. There's a little white light that flashes at the moment of conception that they've, they've literally photographed. And they put it up on the screen at the uh, at the, the a year ago at the the uh, annual meeting of Focus on the Family. And. Uh, and at that moment of conception, the mother gives 100 percent of her DNA, the father of his DNA. The mixture is the only one like it in history because of billions of of changes and so on in, in combinations. but. I believe God gives his image, his DNA, at that moment. And that's when life begins. Yeah. And there's so much there that uh, we can look at and see in terms of functionality. But 10 weeks before a child is born, they begin to hear sounds and begin to then deter- detect their mother's voice, the sound of the mother. And the sound of the mother is so powerful that it is in that way uh, conveying, I believe, even love. I think it is a possibility on the evil side as well, but I, I'm not going into that. With this, you do cast out devils, though out of the soul. There's, he that a souls is wise, understanding even in the spirit <coughs> and knowing because wisdom is beyond knowledge. And so giving you some of these important principles, I, I really come to you now with our familiness and our calling and our giftings. And as we talk about this, even remember, I, I don't have a theological answer on this one, but just to bother your mind like it does mine. On the cross, Jesus said to the the uh, one of the thieves, he said, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, this is before the resurrection, you know, it's coming and so on. And I've I've never quite put all that together. But uh, anyway, I don't know that I will in this life, but I will uh, sometime. <laughs> and and so understanding that, I believe everything Jesus did and said was was truth. So that's not a problem that way. But uh, understanding these areas, and we don't understand it all. And I I heard Franklin Graham say on TV, he says, I believe this Bible is all truth. I just don't understand it all. (laughs) So, yeah, and that's, that's my life. I just keep understanding a little bit here and a little bit there all along the way. But I do know that Jesus and the Bible is involved in every spiritual awakening I've ever heard about or seen in operation. And it's not just Jesus. I believe that somebody can be saved through the gospel. Just simply give them the gospel and they get saved. But that doesn't start a movement that is generational, that is repeated generation after generation. You need the word of God. I was saying to our Brazilian YWAMers through Zoom uh, the other day, and uh, we, we had a wonderful time, and I, I'm sure uh, chang O can tell you all about that one. Uh, he was in the Amazon in two locations with larger groups gathering and so on. And then in other parts of Brazil. So I I got a chance to talk to lots of them. And uh, and I said, you know, I could solve your your Brazilian problem with crime. And uh, I can do it. If you would do something, it could be done in one day. You would have no more crime therefore no more criminals therefore no need of police and it could all be done in just one day and of course they're looking at me like this guy's out of his mind until i said all you have to do is get rid of law if there's no law there's no crime there's no criminals You don't need police, (laughs) but you better run. (laughs) You got got real problems now when you have no law. And when people say to me, we got the Bible now in this language. And I said, what part of the Bible? They said, well, the New Testament. I said, you've just gotten rid of law. How are they going to really understand grace generationally how is it going to become a great spiritual awakening you have to have the whole bible and you need Jesus and the bible and so this is why we are talking not about a part of the bible because the whole bible is right now that we know of is in 700 and 30 languages. Let that sink in when you think of almost 8,000 languages that we have a list. You have much of the world without understanding law, even if you take on the other 1,800 languages that, that have the New Testament. So, Eighteen hundred plus the seven hundred. All right. If if you call that the whole Bible, which I don't, it, it's yes, people can get saved with it. You can get saved with one verse, but John three sixteen or God is love. But that's not what we're after. We're just we're believing God for a spiritual awakening that will literally sweep billions into the kingdom and change the narrative into a biblical Christian worldview. Is that too big of a vision? Sure is for me. I don't know about you. How in the world are we going to do that? Well, we can't do that alone. If you don't have God involved, then how can you do the impossible? This is impossible, but what I'm even describing to you, it's impossible for us to do without God. How is God brought in? Well, that's why we say pray OMT. <clears throat> if prayer isn't there first. We're not gonna make it. Every time, and I've heard this from other uh, Bible translation groups, they said, who gets attacked whenever uh, the the enemy wants to stop the work? They said it's often not the translators. It's the ones, that translators, their dependents that are suddenly attacked and it's just like with Chang Ho oh and his wife her mother is one of those really a powerful woman she's pioneered churches she does all kinds of amazing stuff and suddenly she is totally 100% helpless at one moment she didn't fall no accident but suddenly something in her spine and she is like frozen I don't know how else to describe it he can tell you more but she they had to immediately leave South America and get to her and then move her from one state to another and all kinds of change why because they could not leave her alone with no help. And then I realized Chung Ho doesn't have enough prayer behind him. He's doing his best. So is his wife, Chris. They're doing great things and they're they're bringing the vision down to reality in so many ways. But they don't have daily prayer behind them. I'm having daily prayer and I'm doing the impossible. I I don't deserve that. None of us deserve it, but we got to have it because God gave every one of us dominion uh, authority, dominion authority over the whole earth. That's in Genesis 1. He gave it to everybody. Satan can't work on his authority in the world. He has no authority in the world. He has to steal yours through temptation or through bribery or through various ways. And uh, understanding how Satan gets his authority, that we get the authority through God. He's our source of all authority anyway, but he waits for prayer. And if we don't get this prayer sequentially right, we're going to get in a whole lot of trouble doing what I'm saying tonight which is morning for you. I have to keep, why, why don't you all line up with, with my time zone here to make it a lot easier, you know, but uh, as, as we understand, yeah, the world's round, I, I, I heard that somewhere. But anyway, when, when we ask God to do something and we're, we're not just doing a routine, We're not just doing a habit. We're not just doing something religious. We are really asking God to move in and open doors, open up hearts, open up minds, open up uh, individuals in every dimension to the word of God in their mother tongue as we take the word within the word, which is Jesus. That's an impossibility to do that for everybody, to do that for every language group. And he said to me during COVID, if you'll go to language like you have to geography, that will open the door to the every creature. And that will go way beyond even people, I believe. I think it'll have to do with environment. I I think it'll have to do with what? people are concerned about and so on. But I think what what we're seeing there is that it's all groaning for it. It's all needing it. It's all longing for it. So everything that I'm saying to you uh, as I move forward now, I want you to know it touches the needs of the world. And that's Jesus in the Bible. Jesus in the Bible. And as we understand that, it's the biblical Christian worldview that Francis Schaeffer talk, taught us about in our very first YWM school in 1949, uh, 1969. <clears throat> now, let's go back. In, in 1956, by that time I was 20 years old, I administered it, with a, a small group uh, in every state in the United States. At that time, there were only uh, yeah, was only 148, uh, in 48 rather states, and, uh, and the, Hawaii and Alaska weren't states yet. And we'd ministered in every one of those. We'd also ministered in Mexico, I started there when I Uh, with a group of 11 other guys, we were all teenagers. I was 17, almost 18, and we went to Mexico para predicar el Evangelio de Jesucristo. And so we were going to use our broken Spanish to tell them about Jesus, which we did. And uh, that was 1953, I was almost 18 years old, just signing up at that time for UCLA, uh, for a university. and so uh, after that, uh, after the first year there, I went away to study the Bible for three years and then went back to USC. But anyway, giving you that little bit of history there, I, I was always involved in ministry, whatever school I was going to. And I think it's really important that we don't divorce our training in U of N or D, even DTS, that we divorce it from opportunities for people to be ministering, because you learn best as you apply now. And so, with with that, uh, when I went away to uh, Bible school, I'd been uh, prior to that, I'd I'd been doing uh, business. I. When I was 18, I owned a four-bedroom home and I owned a property down by a lake. You know, I, I could see the advantage of that, and I had two cars and I, I yeah, I was, I was doing well. But uh, that's when the Lord said, "Now sell it all, and I want you to go and study the Word of God." I was there two weeks at Bible school, and another guy and I found a community about 45 minutes out of town, little. Community developed, and it had no church, so we started a church. He had to leave for a home problem as something happened in the home and he had to go and so I became senior pastor and I built it into a mega church uh, that year with fifty five people. <laughs> it was mega for me, I can tell you for sure. anyway, that church went on and and I then began to do evangelism out on weekends from the Bible school as well. And that's when we did so much around the country and also the summer. By the way, uh, the last time I'd used up all my money now, and uh, my last year in Bible school, I got there a week early. I was praying down in a, a uh, empty creek down below the campus. And uh, I said, Lord, I've used up all my money evangelizing. I don't have any money and I'm one week from my last year. What do I do? And uh, and I just felt the burden lift. When you release in prayer burdens, release it. And uh, I walked up to the campus. I walked by the admin building and a lady in the admin building opened the window. Said, Lauren, yes, she said we have just received a letter with some money that would take care of your entire room, board, tuition, everything for your last year here at school. I said, thank you, Jesus. And I I think it should be more natural to us that our prayer life and our regular life flow together. Don't make it big. You know, big deal. You have to stop and do something every time and fast 40 days and then get an answer. Uh, it's good if God calls you to a 40 day fast, but move by the spirit, not just by plants. Now I'm going to give you a lot of plants. OK, so <laughs> I have to prepare you that way. And otherwise, it's not authentic. When during this time, the Lord would wake me up in prayer, in in sleep, out of sleep, and, and I would suddenly start to get understandings of things I'd never seen. And there's so much that I haven't seen that could keep me awake forever. But he was giving it to me in bite sizes. But I look back, and he was giving me in bite sizes for the mission and giving others bite sizes as well. And so 1956, when I was 20, I, I was praying that I was out in the Caribbean islands <clears throat> and I was to speak to a couple of hundred young people that night. And uh, and so I was, it was about uh, three o'clock in the afternoon. I was staying at a missionary home and I was on my knees in the by the bed that they'd given me a, a room and a bed. And. Uh, I said, Lord, what do you want me to speak about tonight? And and instead of answering me, then. He put it off afterwards and he gave me a like a movie of waves. Great waves that turned to waves of young people. And we we share that in why I'm calling it from everywhere to everywhere i never put that together with what we are seeing and going through now and the vision that i want to give you now it has the key not just for ywam but the key for the body of christ to do something now that can make the whole thing take place it's not the thing that makes it it's the spirit of God, it's the move of God. it's so much more but it it then you begin to see how it works and uh, from everywhere you can't do that with with uh, geography alone. How are you going to get to everywhere? What is it that draws you into everywhere and that's where mother tongue. so we go to the name OMt oral mother tongue. Now, orality is a question that has to be answered. Why oral? When over a hundred years, all translations of the Bible were done in writing first. I say all, but that's, that's the established way. That written is first, and then oral is second. Well, for one thing, Oral couldn't be recorded. So written was the only recorded word. Was it? If you go in history and you start with God in the beginning, God created. God wrote, let there be light. Is that right? No, God said. It was oral. And you'll see that except when God used his finger for the Ten Commandments, and also on the wall in Daniel, but it's all oral. It always has been oral. And so as it's orality, it's then Moses that pulls it down and puts it into orthography. That is the written word, which is a technology made by mankind. And so when you understand that, then you get to chapter 11. They all spoke one one language, and Genesis 11, that is. And they were building a tower to heaven without God. And doing that, building a tower without God to heaven? Come on. That's dumb. But anyway, they were building it with bricks, not stones. Stones are all different. Bricks are all alike, you know, you can number them, but you can't name them. And uh, living stones is what we are to be in an altar of worship and service. And so God simply gave them all different languages. One of our teams from Brazil was uh, ministering in Angola. The market language there is, is Portuguese in both nations, and they heard about a group up in the mountains, never heard about Jesus, never heard about God. And so they went up there and they said a very good way to enter. They said, we came, we want to hear your tribal story. Now that's an honor. Most people look down on them. Most of them come and shout at them what they want them to learn and then leave. And so you go and you listen and they began to, he, the chief called his elders. Now, the elders and the chief were the ones that held together their tribal story over centuries. Some of you know the name Jordan Peterson. He says, that which is held orally is more dependent, be, t- dependable on terms of, of details and of history than even written. Why? Because scribes were the writers, and they were one guy. They didn't have anybody to correct them. But in eldership, you have correction, and you have editing, and so on that goes on, so that we want to have that. And uh, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, truth is established. And so Jesus had problems with the scribes, as he did with Pharisees. Pharisees thought they owned the teaching, and the scribes, they own the, the language. And there was a, a sense of, of, uh, you know, of, I'm important, I control. And that's, that's not what we want. And we don't want that in OMT. And so uh, that's a spirit that shouldn't be there. It's hierarchical. Concept, and uh, we we don't want that. We want to come in as servants. Well, when they told the tribal story, they said it began long, long ways up that way north, and we all spoke one one language. We were building a tower to heaven, and the god of heaven wasn't happy. Now, they took the Bible, and they said this is God's word, and they opened it to Genesis eleven and read their story they said this is god's word they said it has to be <clears throat> it has our story and uh now they could say well the same bible says god had a son and then he began they began to tell him, well it was so easy yes that's got to be god's word and so they believed the gospel so the word of god has a power Darlene and I were in Indonesia uh, twice in 1960s, and uh, one time they had just had quite a move of God in West Timor, and and I mean we saw miracles of all kinds, and books are written about it, and and so I I went to the Bible school where they'd sent the team out from, and and Batu and and uh, and Octavio he was the head of it, and I said. What did you do to, for the young people that they saw such a move of God? See, I wanted it for YWAM. And uh, he said, we didn't do anything different. We always pray over him, and send him out. We trained them. And uh, I said, well, where was the Bible? How did you get the word of God? Uh, he said, we didn't take any Bible. I said, there's no Bible. And you saw that kind of power fall? I always saw it like like Elijah, you know, on Mount Carmel. He built an altar and he put wood on it. That's like Bible, you know, the letter, it kills. But the spirit gives life. So he puts and he baptizes it with water and then he calls for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit comes down and consumes it, takes the word of God, makes it alive. And so that's the way I've I've seen it. Duncan Campbell, he took me through the Hebrides. I saw the move of God. I said, what is the Bible? He said, every home is reading it three times a day. Every home, even sinners." And so when when ships came through the islands, sailors would fall on their knees because the spiritual awakening goes beyond a revival. Revival is local. That's how Duncan Campbell taught, taught me. And it goes, it goes over like a cloud over the whole culture, when the Word of God starts to come in, and so we we need to really think about this. well, I never could figure this out for about five years or more and uh and so at that time i I was living in Switzerland, and uh and his wife he came he's Swiss, and they were retired missionaries and I said, "Where did you?" serve as a missionary. He said, Indonesia. I said, where? He said, West Timor. I said, oh, were you there during the move of God? He said, no, we left two years before. I said, well, you know Actava Yunus? Yeah, I know him. Uh, He told me there was no Bible there. He said, what do you mean no Bible? My wife and I spent 12 years getting a Bible to every home in West Timor. And then the Lord said, leave. Two years later, the revival fell and it became an island wide spiritual awakening. What I'm saying to you and what Cheng is saying to you, let's lay the groundwork for a great move of the Spirit Amen. in every language. And so it was during this time that the Lord spoke to me from the Lord's Prayer. How many times have we all prayed this? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's where I was stopped. On earth as it is in heaven. And this is this is the question that that I had to answer, that I had not answered before, and uh, on earth as it is in heaven. What is it in heaven that is not happening on earth? It's not daily bread that's needed in heaven. They're not hungry up there. It's not forgiveness for trespasses. They're not. They're not guilty up there. That's all been forgiven. It's not too much temptation. What is it in heaven that is existing, that is happening? And that's we know what kingdom is a little bit. We we teach you that. But what is the will of the Father? Are we motivated by his will? This is not Lauren's vision. This has to become our vision. It can't be just OK, that's Lauren's. That's not, not I, Yeah, I've, I'm I'm a pass through, but I I have it. And I immediately I started Darlene and I and my daughter started praying we chose a language and we pray daily for this language. And and then I'm now starting to find out a little bit about the language group. It's up in a mountain, halfway up a 10,000 foot mountain. And I'm, I'm finding they don't have any gospel. They've never, had, and I'm learning about it. So I'm switching from a language into a people group, an ethno-linguistic people group, if you wanna use a little Latin there and and so as as i get into that i'm starting to get the warmth that god is feeling for a group that has no word of god but he has they have no presence of jesus that they know of so how are we going to do this and i believe that as we are are Wanting the will of the Father done because of our love of God. He loves us. God loves. God is love. He loves us. And we love Him, so we want our Father to have His desire. And that's individual, but it's corporate. So, what is it in heaven? That they are doing, and I, I'm not covering everything, but I'm covering what he showed me. I went to Genesis, uh, to Revelation, to see what's going on in heaven, and I, I, you you look at chapter five, you'll you'll see very much the big bigger picture there, but you also see the picture in chapter seven, verse nine. It says there in heaven, there's a multitude no one can count. And they are praising and worshiping Jesus. That's the will of the Father, that the people are praising and worshiping Jesus. And how, and you'll see several categories, but it was the every language. I always thought there was one language in heaven, heavenly language. I believe there is one. But here, there's something that comes from the soul that goes so deep that it can't be expressed unless it goes clear back to the mother's womb 10 weeks before the child is born. It's like your gifts and callings are without repentance. I think there's something of your gifts and callings that are expressed in heaven without all the problems, with all the sin and with all the satanic attacks and so on. Talk about soaring. You're going to soar through the universe, ruling and reigning with Jesus. (laughs) What a job. That's what he's preparing us for. We just need more character, more Christlike and so on. That's why you got tough, tough assignments. Ask Job. (laughs) You want to know how how tough it can get? And then it gets tougher. (laughs) So we, we go through it, but we go through it because we love the Father and want the Father what he wants, which is his Son that gave his life for us and for his family. And so as such, then we bring it together with his word. And Jesus is the word within the word as I said, and we'll keep on saying. So as we learn what he's trying to tell us to do, we are motivated by the very highest motivation. And that's, we love the Father. And we want to do what the Father is telling us to worship him. But we want to do it from every language. Then I realized, wow, The vast majority, thousands of languages, and I'm going to sneak this in on you, that there's also known by the ones that look for the stats, 14,000 dialects are also there in the world. Now, don't get disheartened, it's already impossible. So go ahead and add 14,000 to the 8,000. What if they are all language? That's what they found here in in Hawaii, uh, Wycliffe, and they decided we we got it. too many people speak pidgin English here in in Hawaii, and boy, you get around them, you don't know what they're talking about. My son speaks it, <laughs> and so it's 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 different. It's a language, but it's a dialect, and uh, and yet they weren't getting into the Bible, so they sent a couple out, and they they did the entire New Testament. But we've got to go further. We, we can't stop with New Testament uh, because again, we don't want a world without law. And so, as as we understand what God is telling us to do, it may involve fourteen thousand dialects. So it's twenty-two thousand. That's no more impossible than eight thousand. <laughs> I'm really cheering you on, saying this can be done, that we just need to pull up our socks and get on with it, and it'll be done. Amen. No, we have to have prayer. We have to have dependence on God. We have to have a lot more than just pulling up our socks, because a lot of us are barefoot anyway. So as we, as we understand, then what do we need to do? Well, the obvious thing is we need to put the Word of God orally, because not only has it been the way, God gave them new mother tongues in Genesis 11. And the next thing you understand is language creates culture. Culture doesn't create language, it's the other way around, but you learn a language through learning culture to get to the language. So language creates culture, and God, that's exactly what he intended to do. And so he intended to have languages that created cultures all over the world. Now, that's the challenge missionaries face. Man, look, there's too many cultures. How many languages? How many dialects? Okay, 22,000 that we know of. Okay, there may be 32,000. So what? If that's what it is, God will help us. And more than that, God will do it through us. He doesn't just help us. And so as he works through us, we're going to see something happen that is a miracle of God's miracle. And he uses the authority he gave us. When we ask him, then and when we get others praying, and they pray not just, "Oh Lord, bless the language groups all over the world." That's a good way to start. There's a group uh, I don't know whether you've heard about it, but uh, they they were found through an intercessor in America. God spoke to this intercessor, true story, and he he uh, he was praying. And the Lord said, now pray for Africa. So he started praying for Africa. Then he said, now pray for the Mosi tribe. Did uh, Chung Ho tell you the story yet? No, 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 no. So he began to pray for the Mosi tribe. The next thing God said, go find the Mosis." He talked to everybody that he knew to talk to. But no one knew the Moses. This was way back in nineteen twenties. So he caught a ship, went to Dakar at the marketplace every day for three weeks. Do you know Moses? Do you know Moses? Nobody knew Moses. And why Dakar? It's the westernmost part of all of Europe. It's the cardinal point, western cardinal point. And so I've stood right there and prayed over Africa. <laughs> I do some things that I don't usually tell about. I, I did that at the northernmost, the southernmost of Africa. I did it southernmost of Asia, and so on. That was just a jungle. I was hanging on to roots of trees. I, came, I had to come in by boat just to get to the southernmost point. These are crazy things to some, but I I I, I do them anyway. But uh, when when you when you understand what we have have to do. It's going to be an exciting world. And it was for him. After three weeks, he met one man that said, I know Mosi. Where are they? Long, long, long ways that way. How do I get there? You walk. Many moons." <laughs> that man walked clear across Senegal. Now, I've gone clear across Senegal, but we, I went in the missionary plane. And we had to gas up three times to get across Senegal, from Dakar to Kedugu. Then we, then you go across Mali, the next country. That's what he did, by foot. I've been to Mali. That's where Tenbuktu is. I was in Tenbuktu at the YWAM base when I was having a birthday, June 30th. And they took me out on the sand dunes to pray for me as a birthday gift. And then we got stuck in the Toyota four, four-wheel drive, had to have some Arabs come and help us get it out. Anyway, I know Mali. We have bases there. I've been to it and uh, so on. And then uh, finally across what we call today uh, Burkina Faso, Upper Volta, it used to be called. And to the big village that the guy said they have big, big village, Wagadugu. <coughs> Now my last time to Ouagadougou, I I got malaria, and I was really sick. In fact, I was sick with with uh, Paul Dungtumla once, and he was sick in one room, and I was sick in the other down in Togo. And I I'd got mine in Ouagadougou. I imagine that man got sick with malaria on his way, don't you? But he plod plodded on. I'll tell you this, I, I had my son with me, he was 15 at the time. I called him to my bedside and I said, son, I'm too sick to speak tonight. You're going to have to take my place. He said, OK, Dad. <laughs> That's his first time to uh, preach publicly. And uh, in in the other room, Paul was there and he's sick and a snake because it's up on a sort of a mountain where the base was, Polyme. And uh, and a, one of these spitting cobras came and lifted up and ready to spit at him, and deadly poison—they—they they get your eyes first, and then get you. But uh, he just, your old always said, "Jesus name, go." The snake went down, crawled right out the door, and left. <laughs> yeah, that's Paul. Anyway, what happened is when he when the prayer warrior got to Wagadugu. He said, uh, "Lord, what do I do? I found them." He says, "Go back to America, and tell them to as many as you can to get praying for the Mosi tribe." Now, the Mosi tribe was the larger tribe in that whole region. They had taken over. They were rode horses. They were warriors, and uh, and everybody feared them. And they were in at least five, what we call five nations now. And uh, they still are one of the largest, most influential groups in all of Western Africa. And so he didn't try to win a person to Christ even. He went back, did what Jesus said, and he had people pray. Now, 17 families went to the Mosees. And they began to see a breakthrough, not just by what they did, but by their prayer groups behind them. And so as they had this, the first one saved, they renamed him Samuel, gave him a Bible name. He was 18 years old. He was in line to be the next king of the Moses. And so he got called to be a missionary. And he said no to the kingship and went out, and I have seen his churches all over western part of Africa there. And uh, he was in Ivory Coast. He was in, uh, you know, one after another, Togo and what we call Benin and so on. And all of these different ones. And he, after he was quite old, you know, something gets old. Like 60 or so. His wife died, he married a younger wife, and later on they had a son. And the son grew up, and when he was about 18, he joined a DTS and joined the U of N, got his degree, and went as a missionary. And he went to be a missionary in West Africa to one of the nations that no mostly, had ever been to. He told me. And uh, three years ago, he had to go back culturally to his people in Ouagadougou because the king had died and they were having all the people come in and and they they would appoint a new king. Well, they decided on him. To be the king. And he said, no, I'm called to be a missionary like my father. They said, No, you are going to be our king. And so they made that designation, and he was going to fly out of there. And they had a plan to t- take the entire terminal and cover it with people and not let him through to get on his plane. Well, he learned about it. And so at midnight, the night before, he got a bus and went down to to Togo. And uh, there in Togo, he caught a plane back to his home country, which is now Nigeria. I'm talking about our own Paul Dung Tumda. Now he has taken what we are talking called OMT. I talked to him this morning for over an hour on, you know, WhatsApp. And uh, he took me around the campus with his camera and uh, telling me about they have now 30 languages going and the first week they did six books in six of the first languages and then others were added. Now they have uh, 30 going and they've all now done uh, the book of luke as their first book so that we can get the jesus film into which is 83 percent of the book of luke so all of that's going on he said i have 20 more lined up to do the translations and these are done in groups so that they check one another as they're 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 making the translations they're doing it orally and it's oral translations so it's It's what we call oral mother tongue. Why? We're trying to reverse culture that says you don't go oral first, you go written first. That will take 150 years, estimated, to get a Bible in every language if you go written first. But turn it to oral first, and then if it's mother tongue oral, you get something more. Because in the 12th chapter, of Genesis, God goes to one of the cultures where he had just given them the language called Hebrew. And he asked them, would you like to be the chosen ones? I don't know if he asked more, I don't know, but I do know he asked them and they said yes. And so they have become the chosen people that have taken the role of the old, what we call the Old Testament, to keep it alive and real, orally down through history to the time of Jesus. And from Jesus to the Reformation, it was all oral mother tongue people that were translating the Bible into their mother tongue. And then after that, it was oral, but they could could now print, which was helping in distribution. But it was oral up until the 20th century. And that's when they went to Written first. For the first time, and I think we've had some influence on this, that the major written missionary groups are now publicly saying we need oral first. Why? Because when we do oral, we then hand all the vocabulary to them and they can edit it, they can make it greater quality, they can do a lot of things. And they can put it in writing, and we give them their orthography, that is, their their alphabet, and, and that is what we call Uniscript. And that will fit both iconic and phonetic languages. So I'm answering a lot of little questions as we're going through this. But I want you to note uh, back to motivation. Look to the prayer, warrior in 1920s first start praying for the geographical area then say lord which language what language group and god gave it to him he didn't have to say it god gave it to him and he began to pray for the mosi this is the thing we need to do all right with 8000 languages we're starting with we need to have 24000 these three people praying for each language daily until they have the Bible and the Jesus film in their mother tongue. And then there's another film that uh, maybe Chung Ho can tell you about called Creation, or it's called In the Beginning. All it's, of this, a Hollywood I, I'm saying to you, whatever your ministry is, this is only going to multiply your ministry. It doesn't remove your ministry. It gives dimension, both depth, breadth, and height. The height comes from the fact we are gonna please the Father. And here's the picture that I saw. When I saw the picture that from every language group, to go from everywhere to everywhere. We have to have at least one missionary, at least one from every language group on earth. Some of you are doing this. I've been hearing about Under the Bridge. I've been hearing about things. Thank you, thank you for what you're doing. But you're making missionaries out of unreached people groups. And there's gonna be some missionaries out of everyone. That's from everywhere to everywhere. You can't do it geographically alone. It has to come out of the language groups, because there's right now there's there's a group. This is so neat. They're, they're in a not the Amazon, not the Brazilian part of the Amazon, but another part. The Spanish anyway. A Brazilian couple are working there. They won people to Christ in this tribal group in the jungle. They most of them don't even know Spanish. But some of them do, and so they, so they're able to to uh, to not just win them to Christ. And they said, "Can we can we do the DTS in their mother tongue?" I said, "Of course. We're already in ninety seven that we know of. This is not stuck with any language. We don't stick with language, or or culture, or or uh, or ge- geography. It goes to everywhere." And we want, we want GTS in every language on Earth after we get the Bible and Jesus in it. So, of course, we're going to have that. And we're going to have preschool curriculum and other things that will follow, even Christmas carols and so on, not jingle bells, the others. And so, and so as, as we see what God wants to do with the tool, whatever your particular ministry is, you'll find some ways that this will enrich your fruitfulness you're already being fruitful but it'll enrich it it'll bring in more because more vision brings in more workers it's going to multiply ywm we're going to have to have at least 1000 more ywm basis and that that's going to be needed in the very next few during this decade and so we have to have that i'm not prophesying it i'm saying that's what we will need if we're going to see even the prophecies that have come to us about multiplication and so we have to have the multiplication. if we take on this kind of vision, all you can do right now with the vision we have <coughs> is is what we're doing and what we're doing is not what God's wanting us to do. so otherwise we you know let's say we had a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand yhammers we'd just be handing each other peanut butter sandwiches all day long. We wouldn't have enough to do. You have to have new vision. And without the vision, people perish, but with the vision, people multiply. And how are you going to get to Generation Z? You're not going to get to them by just saying, hey, come. You're going to get to them with vision that they see the Father wants. And then You're going to see the numbers swell. So you're going to have to have more bases because that's our community of familiness in modularity. And that's what God created was modularity by creating different cultures. And that spread the problem. So he didn't have to use another flood to correct mankind. It's now small, but what's good about it? is during this time that we're going into with greater persecution at first, the enemy is going to do his best to destroy the family. And that will become Ywan family. That'll be a nuclear family. The enemy, look at all that's being done. It doesn't matter what you name those things that are now sowing so fast that the devil is panicking and he wants right now to to destroy the family. Because to destroy the world you're gonna have and take it over and have a Antichrist, you're gonna to have to have the destruction of the family. Yeah. And so that's what it's all about, whether gender issue or any other issue. So as you watch this, what's what's the alternate? It's modularity, that is familyness in groups, small groups. How do you handle and how do you destroy eight? thousand groups at the same time good luck <laughs> you'll need luck from the devil and he's not powerful enough and luck won't work anyway it it's going to be the move of god that will bring together the the purposes of god and it will have it will not have a top down control it'll have top down release of anointing this is called what we call the generational uh, anointing or or apostolic calling. It goes from generation to generation. It doesn't always follow known known names, but it always is the move of God in every generation since Christ. And it's that uh, that commissioning and anointing. And as you do it with the generations, then it continues what started at Calvary to to uh, today and tomorrow and beyond. And so that's what we're giving you is is what we believe God is saying to us as a mission, as a family, and we're most of all a family. There's something about us, I'm sorry, but you have quirks that you can look at it at, at an airport. I've I've heard Campus Crusade say, oh, that's a YWAMer over there, and we say, hey, that's Campus Crusade over there, crew. That's you know you can spot them <laughs> because of their gifts and callings. That creates a kind of a culture with, the, with that, and with the the uh, the calling that God has given them. And so with that, I I hope you will receive this with with love, with appreciation that, uh, from God that He's giving us something that we can do. And we can, it's not so hard, because I'm watching since January, what's happening in Nigeria. I'm watching it in Nepal, that started before from that. I'm watching it in Papua New Guinea, in the Medang province, 33 languages. I'm watching it in other parts of the world. And we are in Major cities, because of migration. If you've seen it only as a problem, you don't understand. God is bringing migration about, as Brother Andrew used to say to us. I travel. He's one of my best friends. He's up there now, but we traveled in ministry together in five continents. But he'd say, if you don't go to them, they'll come to us, and that's the way it's been. And so that's that's something that God is doing. And now there are in Houston, Texas, 200 languages that the government knows about that are spoken in the homes. So I went down, I, I had, I, legally, I couldn't find this out at the high school here in Kailua-Kona, <coughs> high, high School. So I had one of our, uh, well, it's my niece, teacher there, go and ask, how many Languages are spoken in the students, uh, in your student body, in just the high school, in the homes here in Kailua-Kona. Twenty-seven languages. Everyone I tell to in YWAM, they didn't know that, and because I'm sick, you know, I, I see a lot of nurses, <laughs> see a lot of doctors. I saw nine the first week I was sick. Nine doctors. <laughs> hey, yeah, you know. I, I, I thought of the lady with the the uh, terrible problem she had and she was afflicted with the physicians. I didn't, I don't think I was afflicted. But anyway, I, I saw that many, but they saw me, I mean. And and so with that, uh, I, ju- I just asked the question, where were you born and raised? And the nurse said, oh, Federated States of Micronesia. Oh, I said, I've been to all of those. I said, I think you're from Pompeii, aren't you? She says, wow, yes. She was surprised I could even guess it. And uh, I said, now you have a Bible, don't you? Yes. I said, but you don't have an oral Bible? No. I said, do you have others in Kona that speak your language? She said, yes. And so I was able to find through that, I ended up meeting the pastor of a little group from Pompeii in Kailukona. They didn't have an oral Bible, so we want to get those that have a Bible but not oral to get a mother tongue speaker to actually read the Bible and record it digitally so that we can give them a just an SD card, a little thing that even if you're in, a, you know, north of South Korea, you can hide it. You can pull it out of your phone and hide it and pull it back in and listen to it. And it can be in every mother tongue. Mm-hmm. So as you're seeing all that can be done, we can do it now because it's the timing of God. Then as as we we uh, look further into to what is going to come out of this, we're going to see The Father rejoicing when the Son is being praised from every language on earth. At the same time, they're praising in heaven every language on earth. And the great cloud of witnesses up there, and they're getting all happy. And they're praising Jesus in every language in heaven, which I believe has to be mother tongues, <clears throat> because it's from their soul, and they're getting into heaven. And I see you moving, Alessandro. We're, we're closing here. But as, as we're getting ready here, we're going to see a move of God when there's unity in heaven and on earth, in every language they're praising. And that's when I saw a lineup, like it was in the Spirit. But it, it, it went as a line of people on earth, fulfilling from every language on earth, the Lord. And I, I couldn't see the end, either end of it. And I just had to weep. And I'm still weeping because that's, that's what the Father wants. You don't have to ask, is that a wrong motive? That's God's motive. And he wants to give it to you. And let it become yours. God bless you.